0: is up uh, hockey fans this is the golden edge podcast the podcast where the las vegas review journal talks about hockey we are knee deep in the preseason right now there are two games left before the golden knights regular season opener uh tuesday against the seattle kraken uh, i of course am ben goats uh, of the las vegas review journal joining me is my colleague on the beat david shane uh dave are, are you kind of also getting the feeling that this is a little bit uh the dog days of camp here as we sit uh less than a week before the regular season opener but uh more than probably you know a week into camp yeah
1: like <laughs> kind of feels like let's get it going i saw seattle finished its preseason already they're going to be sitting around for basically a week before that opener like i'm i i don't even know how that's gonna work so yeah like i'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get this thing like kicked off and started, like drop the puck. Let's regular season this thing
0: already. (laughs) Yeah, I am uh, very ready for uh, the puck to drop. And of course we'll have so much preseason content for you guys over the next week or so. Our annual special section is coming out on Tuesday. We just uh, actually finished that just went to print. I think right before uh, we started recording this podcast, that's going to be 30 two pages of exclusive hockey content for you guys. Uh, it's one of my favorite things we do every year. I'm so excited for you guys to get your hands on it. Uh, but, you know, for now, we're just going to break down kind of how the roster battles are going. A one significant kind of off-ice story uh, that happened to the Golden Knights over the weekend. And we're going to get into a brief amount of season preview stuff. Uh, as you guys know, you can get our full thoughts in. That special section that will come out on Tuesday. Also, if you've been listening to us this whole time, which hopefully you have been, you guys probably know a lot of our thoughts on the Knights already and kind of a lot of the key questions we have for this team heading into the season. Uh, But we'll go over a little bit of kind of our predictions for the season in this episode. Before we do all that, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge Podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Check out all our written work. At ReviewJournal.com through our training camp, we have stuff every day for you guys, whether it be a preseason game or uh, today, Wednesday is recording, which is an off day. I have a feature on Keegan Colasar up on the site because he's had a really impressive camp so far. And there's kind of some underlying numbers that I looked at from uh, his rookie season that show that he might have a little bit more offense in the tank uh, this year. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, and if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, all right. Well, so we're going to get started with the big uh, off ice news of the week for the Golden Knights, uh, which was Robin Leonard having some things to say on uh, the old Twitter app. Uh, it started Saturday night. He was tweeting about the uh, Jack Eichel situation in Buffalo. Uh, quick Download for those that uh, don't know or are not super plugged in. Eichel, who, of course, has been the Sabres captain for many seasons before this one, uh, has requested a trade and hasn't gotten it. Uh, He also played with Leonard for three years in Buffalo. Uh, Eichel is currently in a standoff with the Sabres because he has a herniated disc in his neck. uh, So serious injury. And the two sides disagree on the type of surgery he should get. The. Uh, Buffalo wants him to do kind of a more common surgical procedure, but that's one that will likely need him to kind of have the surgery redone in about 10 years or so. Eichel wants to do a different type of surgery that hasn't really been done on a hockey player before, but has been done on other athletes, and one that uh, Eichel and kind of his camp think will be best for his career kind of in the long term because it's less likely to kind of need an additional surgery. Down the road. Uh, We are obviously not medical experts. We don't know exactly what is the best path to take, but that's kind of where that situation is right now. So Leonard, who has kind of been vocal about the fact that his ex-captain is kind of caught in this standoff right now and is just kind of sitting around this preseason, still injured, having not gotten a surgery to treat his injury yet, uh, first kind of started tweeting about how the medical team in Buffalo had mistreated him, Uh, He said that they forced him to kind of do box jumps, which is obviously an exercise after he suffered a high ankle sprain and uh, posted a picture of his ankle at the time. This was 2015 to kind of show like, hey, they did not uh, do right by me when I suffered this injury. Uh, Later, he tweeted about how he knows uh, teams give out uh, benzos, which are kind of drugs like uh, Valium and Xanax that are typically uh, prescribed to relieve anxiety uh, and muscle spasms. Uh, An ambient to, you know, employees. So obviously those are things that uh, you need prescriptions for. But he's saying that I know teams that just kind of basically hand these out to guys while uh, teams are on the road. He did specify that the Knights don't do this. Uh, and then he went after Flyers coach Alain Vigneault, who it is important to point out, Leonard has never actually like played under before in the NHL. Uh, but Leonard called Vigneault a dinosaur that uh, treats players like robots instead of humans. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot uh, for a uh, Saturday night when I believe the Knights were in Montana at uh, Bill Foley's uh, ranch kind of hanging out and doing some team bonding. So we'll get into kind of all the reaction and all the fallout from these comments in a little bit. And Leonard uh, himself uh, addressed these comments Tuesday at the City National Arena. But Dave, when you saw this kind of coming across your Twitter feed, just what was your initial take and initial reaction? Well, first off, good on Leonard for getting some
1: like cell phone reception or however he was able to send off those tweets from Montana. Because I know when I was lucky enough to go up there, there was not very uh, not very strong reception or Wi-Fi. So good on him, I guess, for getting it out there. Um, in, in all seriousness, though, I, I think my my initial reaction, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be real truthful about this. Like my reaction was, why? Like why are you? thrusting yourself into this conversation why are you getting involved why are you causing a firestorm you know a week before the season or a little more than a week before the season and like it's it's got nothing to do with him other than like you know eichel and then and then here's another thing too is like there are all these rumors and stuff that at one point the golden knights might be interested in jack eichel so then it's like well is he tampering you know, and, and what like, there's so many things to this where I was just like, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you bringing, you know, the thunder, you know, into your living room, the, the way that he's doing it? And then I heard him talk and I heard what he had to say and I heard why he felt the need to speak out. And, you know, I, I, I changed sort of my tune on it a little bit, uh, I get it much more. I get where he's coming from. And he feels like if nobody else is going to do this, okay, fine. I'm going to be the one. And I agree with Alex Petrangelo because, in the same way, I admire anybody that has the, you know what, to stand up and speak out on something, on anything. I don't care what side they come from. I have admiration for people that are willing to do that and are willing to be the lightning rod. And be the one to take up the cause. I don't know what what started other than he read an article clearly in that morning about, about Jack Eichel and the surgery and the situation. And as he articulated, I think, a little bit in the press conference, and you were there, Ben, so maybe you can speak to this a little bit better than I can. It, it's about the mental health aspect with Robin Leonard and Jack Eichel here, that that it sounds like Jack Eichel is just getting to a point where he's miserable and needs a resolution and it's affecting his mental health. And when something like that happens, Robin Leonard is going to step in and speak up and speak out. And if it takes him making a threat to the NHL and the NHLPA, that he's going to start dropping stories. And if the first story that he drops was the pills, And if he follows that up with Elaine Vigneault and decides to get that off his chest, because here's the other thing with that. That's been, for whatever reason, sort of this lingering thing. Deadspin had a link to uh, this and their story. I'll credit them. And you can go back. There was like an AMA that Robin Leonard did on Twitter. And somebody asked him about Carter Hart. And his response was basically something to the effect of dinosaur coach. And ruining him, he was very critical without calling out Elaine Vigneault. He called him out. And this time he did it by name. And, you know, again, initially it felt like to me that's where he crossed the line. He brought another organization into it unnecessarily. Kelly McCrimmon had to call Chuck Fletcher, basically smooth everything over. You know, we were talking about this and joking about this. Boy, that first game when the Golden Knights go to Philadelphia, who boy. That crowd is going to be relentless. You know, it's not going to stop. But again, Robin Leonard felt the need, you know, to be the one to stand up and do this. And it sounds like he affected change. He got the NHL's attention, he got a meeting with them, he was able to, you know, present whatever he wanted to present to them. So, that's the thing that needs to be, be looked at. And, and, and I think it needed to be clear in the writing and how, you know, you and I were presenting things that he wasn't being disciplined. This wasn't the NHL calling him up and, and hey, you're going to be suspended or, or punished for, for speaking out. It was we wanted to hear what you have to say. And ultimately, Robin Leonard accomplished his goal in that regard by getting the NHL to listen.
0: Right. Absolutely. He did. So, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Leonard said Tuesday that he has had calls with both the NHL and the PA. He said he has uh, more scheduled. So his hope is basically that he can kind of, as he said, can share some of his experiences in the hopes of obviously making the NHL a better place. I mean, he reiterated several times Tuesday, basically like I love this league. This league has basically given me, my livelihood and done so much for me i just want to help make it better and you know as you said dave i mean he, the one thing that i took was very interesting is that he felt he kind of had to be public about this to kind of be heard get people's attention but now he kind of is saying he wants to transition into more of like okay now i want to work with the nhl and the nhlpa behind the scenes because he's like i think that's how I'm actually going to get the change that I want done. And, you know, it was interesting, you know, maybe it makes me a little biased because as you mentioned, I was there and I was hearing him and he was very emotional kind of walking us through kind of the 72 hours from Saturday to Tuesday when he was talking. But I think it was hard, you know, when you were actually there to kind of doubt the um, sincerity and like the intention behind what he was talking about. Leonard mentioned a couple different times of like, I want to affect change for the younger generation so that they don't have to experience some of the things that I've experienced. Um, As I mentioned, you know, basically an injury being mistreated so that his uh, ankle got much worse or, you know, the fact that obviously these prescription drugs were just kind of given out willy nilly, um, which were probably not the best uh, thing for player health. And uh, Leonard is someone who has, you know, been very open and honest about kind of substance abuse issues you know, and he mentioned everything I did, I did to myself. Like it is my fault that I had those issues, but I still, you know, basically he was saying, I think we can still do better to have more guardrails in place to, you know, prevent this from happening to other players. And it actually is in the CBA basically. And uh, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet pointed this out that each NHL team is supposed to basically have a guy in charge of prescription drugs and making sure that, you know, only players that need certain medication, you know, are given it. And so basically, if what Leonard is describing actually happened where, you know, staffers are just giving out these pills willy nilly, well, that's a CBA issue. And that legitimately could lead to uh, potential league discipline um, should mention some of the you know other fallout uh, venial, of course, defended his coaching style, saying he's tough and demanding, but he does treat his players like people. Um, You know, you mentioned kind of uh, Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo kind of both, you know, defending Leonard, saying they supported him for sticking up uh, for what he believed in. And like I said, now Leonard kind of feels like he's gotten his audience. He's been able to say his piece and he hopes to kind of continue now to work more behind the scenes um, to affect change, which I, you know, we'll see if um, anything comes out of it, even if something does come out of it, it might be something that we just don't uh, hear about. I mean, how optimistic do you feel, Dave, kind of listening to what Leonard had to say on Tuesday and knowing kind of how the NHL has operated in the past that he is going to be able to kind of make a difference and there might be, you know, whether it's like investigations or, you know, whatever um, could go on behind the scenes that, you know, some of the teams that he has been hinting about or mentioning as... You know, these teams aren't doing things the right way that they'll, you know, potentially either be disciplined or kind of there'll be some shakeups behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it remains to be seen. I know if I'm in Robin Leonard's skates or shoes, I you know, I'm not throwing out any any accusations the way that he did without, you know, at least feeling like I have something to present to the NHL and and say, look, this is going on and this needs to stop and this needs to change. Like I don't think he's just drawing things out of, you know thin air with all this. I, I thought it was interesting and, you know, Gary Bettman kind of made a comment about, you know, the NHL, the NHLP, you know, you, you don't have to tweet at us. You know, we, we have an 800 number. We're, we're an open book. You know, you, all you got to do is call. And it sounds like like basically the point of all this and, and maybe going back to my original sort of comments and, and why I changed from, from sort of being like, why, you know, why did you do this? to understanding, you know, okay, this is how he felt he needed to do it because he tried the other way. He tried, it sounds like, with the the PA and the NHL, and he tried to get their attention before, and nothing worked. And so this is how he felt he needed to do it. And so, you know, I I think that's where I came around on it and and certainly watching the video because I wasn't there. You know, you you could see just how – I don't know what the right word was just downtrodden and, and affected he was by it he he talked about you know how it was a really difficult and hard 72 hours and and so I I hate to you know I, I I hesitate to use the term like he learned a lesson because I I don't think that's fair but maybe you know maybe this experience maybe his takeaway now is there is a better way or a different way to try to go about doing it w- without Causing sort of the the attention and the the spotlight that comes with it when he does it on Twitter, and and I think that's maybe the biggest thing with this. And if I had to guess, and and again, this is just a guess, I I don't know for sure. I I would imagine that Kelly McCrimm and George McPhee, the organization, you know, probably talked to Robin Leonard at some point and said, "Look, we got your back. We have you. You know, we support you." But maybe there's a better way to do this. Maybe we would prefer, you know, to give Gary Bettman a call. Here's his number. You know, here's D- Bill Daly's number. Do it this way. Uh, it, it feels like there's a little bit of, of that. Nobody's going to ever muzzle and, and silence and quiet Robin Leonard. He's going to speak up and, and say what he wants when he wants to do it. But, but it definitely feels like maybe this time, you know, the takeaway for him is certain things are, are for Twitter. And certain things aren't.
0: Yeah. So we'll have to see kind of what his activity looks like, I guess the rest of the season. I mean, he mentioned, like I said, that he wants to kind of shift now doing more stuff behind the scenes. I mean, he mentioned, you know, I don't want to be a distraction for my teammates. This is a team that obviously believes it can win a Stanley cup. And I want to be a part of that. Um, He did say, of course, though, that, you know, to me, lives are more important than cups. So, which is why he still felt he had to be vocal over the weekend. Uh, but we'll see, you know, what his kind of Twitter presence and everything is like moving forward, because, you know, like you said, Dave, I would not be surprised if, you know, like I said, maybe he figured out, you know, a way to do this, because he even mentioned, uh, you know, because I brought up uh, the name Akeem Alu to him, who, if people don't remember, was a former... A hockey player who accused former Calgary Flames coach Bill Peters of, you know, addressing him by a racial slur in junior hockey. And Lou tweeted out when, you know, Leonard was going on uh, his kind of Twitter crusade over the weekend that, yeah, the NHL and the NHLPA are going to talk to Leonard, but maybe they just won't actually investigate or do the things that they're telling him they'll do, kind of implying that, hey, they never actually got around to investigating my incident because Bill Peters, um, I believe this is true as of right now, has never actually been officially disciplined by the NHL for this alleged incident. Now Peters got fired by the flames and he is now in the KHL the last time I checked, but you know, the league could still have made a statement basically saying like, even if Bill Peters wanted to come back, we wouldn't um, take him because we have punished him for this you know, alleged misconduct, that has never happened. Um, But Leonard seemed to indicate that while, you know, Alou has been very vocal criticizing uh, the NHL that he thinks working with the league, he'll be able to get more done. And we'll see, you know, if that's actually true. Um, We're going to shift gears a little bit from all that stuff, which is obviously very important, and very newsworthy going on. And we have a lot of stories on it. At ReviewJournal.com if you want a little bit more context and a little bit more information for what exactly was going on, you know, kind of from the moment Leonard hit send on a lot of his tweets on Saturday to when he addressed uh, us again on Tuesday. but We're going to shift gears more into training camp stuff. Uh, the Knights have made a lot of roster moves, so they're down to, I believe, 26 players now in camp. That includes some guys who are injured. So right now, uh, Shea Theodore, Nicholas Wa, and Nick Howden are day to day. Uh, William Carrier actually got injured uh, last night in the night's preseason game in Colorado. He took a skate to the face, which was obviously a very uh, scary sight for I think a lot of the Knights. Uh, It sounded like uh, Coach Beat DeBoer said he avoided serious injury, but the skate was actually uh, in DeBoer's word, quote unquote, millimeters from his eye. So obviously. Uh, very good news that, you know, this skate stayed away from his eye, but uh, the very scary moment for Kerry and the rest of the Knights. Uh, the guys still kind of in camp and vying for spots are uh, Peyton Krebs, Patrick Brown, Gage Quinney, and Sven Berchy. Uh, Logan Thompson, the Knights number three goaltender, started last night, but he got sent to the Silver Knights today. So that's how we get it down to 26 guys right now with less than a week to go, to go until opening night. So. You know, as things stand right now, Dave, what do you kind of think of the the state of the team and how these final roster battles are shaping up?
1: I mean, it looks like, I and mean, when you kind of sort of take, you know, the injured guys out of the picture a little bit, and go player for player and what, you know, what is the open, open spots on the roster, it sort of seems like, okay, does Peyton Krebs make it or does Peyton Krebs not? That seems like what it's really kind of – going to come down to Patrick Brown might make it because Nick Howden is hurt or uh, excuse me, because Brett Howden's hurt. Um, you know, maybe it's Gage Quinney instead or something like Like if there's injuries, if Nicholas Waugh can't go, you know, then you start to get deeper and deeper, you know, on, on this list of players, but, but ultimately it's going to come the, ultimately the the biggest question, the, the one everybody wants answered and sort of the, the biggest puzzle piece in all this, the, the domino that's going to make it all fall is Peyton Krebs and what happens to him. And him being waiver-exempt obviously means that he can go down. Uh, somebody like Brett Haddon, who, you know, hasn't impressed in, in camp. Like, let's be honest. He, he had several chances in games, didn't do a whole lot. He hasn't skated with NHL guys. Like, we haven't really ever seen him even on the fourth line in training camp. Nothing with him at any point. No signs of ever boded well for him you know they've given Peyton Krebs a chance they've given you know this guy like like no nothing ever ever showed that that he was like secure on the roster even before he got hurt you know now he's injured so you know it it changes things it changes that the dynamic we don't really know what you know the day-to-day means and is Nicholas Waugh going to be ready like that's the other side of this too is the whole salary cap, whatever, and Alex Tuck going on long-term IR. Like we could see, and I'm going to plug actually my story a little bit um, about their salary cap guru, Andrew Lugerner, And we could see him do some really goofy fun stuff um, going into opening day um, because they have to maximize long-term IR with with Alex Tuck. So that might, that means that we might see some other contracts, you know, that are, that are on the roster that you're like, well, why is this guy there? You know, well, it's to get it, you know, as close to a certain number that they can for salary cap purposes. Um, we saw that a couple of years ago, there was a, there was a call up with like three or four guys and Jimmy Schultz was up and it was like, well, why the heck is Jimmy Schultz up? Well, Jimmy Schultz was up because salary cap and it, It bumped them up as close to the ceiling as they could before whoever it was went on long-term IR. And that's going to be the same thing with Alex Tuck this year. So, you know, the fun thing with this is, yeah, we're going to sit there and say, oh, so-and-so made the opening night roster. Wow, great job, you know. But some of this also could be salary cap stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next couple games. But, again, I I think it really – the only real question is Peyton Krebs, like because Pete DeBoer and the organization know who and what Patrick Brown is, they know who and what Gage Quinney is, and to be really frank, Sven Barchi hasn't played better than Peyton Krebs. I think he would be, you know, lower on the organizational depth chart if we're starting to talk about you know guys that can make the team. So I, I think it's pretty clear in, in that regard where guys have slotted themselves. It's it's just going to be whether
0: Peyton Krebs can continue to have four point games and force his way on. Yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit, because it's been interesting to see kind of the progression of Peyton Krebs throughout this training camp. Uh, I think we talked about it last episode, but I mean, his first um, preseason game was just frankly just not good. He was trying to do too much. He was turning pucks over. Yeah, he just did not look, you know, kind of ready, despite, you know, all of us kind of talking him up. The last couple games, I mean, I would say even the game before uh, this last one, he really seemed to kind of figure things out where he was playing much more north-south. He was forechecking really well. He was keeping a lot of pucks alive before the goal lines for teammates to get. And then, obviously, as you mentioned last night, he really kind of breaks out with a four-point game, one goal, three assists. Uh, The Knights finish with a 4 nothing edge in goals with Krebs on the ice at five on five, Uh, he was just inches away from uh, getting a fifth point because Riley Smith, it looked like kind of was shooting at Krebs stick for a tip. At one point, Krebs doesn't actually get a stick on the puck. And then the avalanche mishandled the puck around the crease and Smith picks it up and scores. So it's Krebs is very close to having uh, five points, but I mean, basically, you know, are you kind of, I guess, seeing what I'm seeing, Dave, in terms of the arrow seems to be, Pointed up for him about he's kind of figuring out how he has to play as a professional a little bit more than at the start of camp, which gives him a better shot to actually crack the lineup. Yeah, one hundred
1: percent. And you know, some of it I think was who he was skating with last night. And, you know, getting a you know a better chance with you know maybe some more offensive guys. But I you know the he was trying to do too much that that you mentioned that Pete DeBoer said, like specifically the turnovers were in his own zone on breakout passes, trying to go up the middle, almost like looking just blindly, kind of throwing it there, you know? And so if that's something that he has to tighten up in his game and learn and, and not do and make sure he's got his head up and is actually seeing the pass, okay, that's the adjustment that he's that he seems to be making. And it's noticeable he's not turning pucks over the same way in same areas of the ice. And like you said, you know, he's, he's just – more comfortable playing the way that we saw him play when everybody got excited, you know, flying around on the four check, his Jersey flapping in the wind, you know, hustling and all the, all the things that Manny Viveros and Pete DeBoer say that no matter what, he always catches your eye because of the effort and, and all those sorts of things. And, you know, sometimes, you know, Nolan Patrick I think talked about this a little bit too, sort of pregame in his interview w- without actually directly addressing it but the systems are so different from what he's doing in Philadelphia and it just seems like especially last night last game for him where he was thinking less and reacting more and it allows you to play faster and I think it just seems like Peyton Krebs maybe not so much system wise because I think he has that down but just you know the comfort level the confidence it allows him to play faster and just react and not think so
0: much. No, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of plays these last, uh, two preseason games. If he indeed gets to play. And one of them, Pete DeBoer has kind of talked about wanting these final two preseason games, which they have Thursday and Saturday being kind of, you know, quote unquote dress rehearsals. Now the issue is, as we've talked about, uh, they've got a lot of injuries that kind of probably will prevent them from having official dress rehearsals. So uh, that plus the fact that uh, Krebs is coming off a four point night uh, might open the door for him from, to get another chance to impress. All right. Well, one last thing I want to uh, shift from training camp uh, to talking about the regular season, because as we opened up this show, I think both of us are very ready for the regular season to get going. Once again, uh, the night's open on Tuesday against the Seattle Kraken, the NHL expansion derby. Uh, And the game is going to be on ESPN, uh, which is uh, very cool that the Knights are going to be a part of basically welcoming ESPN back as a national TV partner for the NHL. Uh, The two things I want to go over with you, Dave, because once again, if you guys want kind of our full season preview thoughts, one, I hope you've been listening to us kind of the whole off season because you probably have heard us talk about a lot of the questions we have for this team already. Uh, And two, uh, please pick up our annual special section once it hits the shelves on Tuesday, because there you'll get our predictions, uh, player features, and just so much more. Uh, So I would really recommend you guys get that. Um, But we do do over-unders annually in the special section. So I want to go over with uh, two of them with Dave right now. Uh, The first one, which I think was a little bit easier, was the fact that every year we do an over-under as to... Uh, where the Knights will finish in their division. Uh, This one was pretty easy to set the line for, even though there's not really, I don't think a a easy way to do a true Vegas line. I mean, this one would have a lot of uh, weight on it uh, because I set it at 1.5. Basically, will the Knights finish either first or not first in the Pacific division? Obviously, the over means the Knights finish second or beyond, so they do not win the division. Under means the Knights win the Pacific. Uh, They've got the Oilers, Canucks, Flames, and Kraken coming in. They've got Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis, and Arizona coming out of their division. Uh, So, Dave, the Knights finished uh, second in the West Division last year, but first in the Pacific, the last time the Pacific was uh, still around. Do you think they are going to win their third division title in five seasons this year?
1: Well, uh, yeah. (laughs) I do if you go to the to the predictions in our in our lovely special section, uh, I don't see anybody who can beat them. Like, who, who challenges them? That division stinks. Like, let's just flat out say it. It's not good. The Oilers have two of the best players in the league and questions in goal and questions on defense and all the same questions that they've had for a couple years and they'll probably be good and they'll probably be, you know, hanging around the Knights and, you know, challenge them and, you know, make sure that they don't clinch, you know, in like March or something like that. But I don't, I just, I don't see anybody in that division who, who really can push them, you know, and, and keep up with them really. Like I I was thinking about this, like, are you old enough to remember like Chris Berman and he used to call that, that division, the NFC Norris division and like the Bay of pigs when Tampa Bay and Green Bay and Minnesota, Chicago all Detroit they all played in like the same division it was awful like it's stunk like th- that's the only thing I can think of you know is just how bad this division is because you know Flames huge question marks Canucks question marks Kraken I maybe I, I don't know I mean if I was going to go over to the betting window and we're not allowed to do this but like I think the number I saw in the Kraken I'd be like pounding the under I don't I don't see a golden knights sort of season from from that team. I, I I unless Grubauer just you know does a flurry for you know seventy games or something. But uh, you know I I, I I don't know about you. I just it,
0: that was the one thing that was like oh that's an that's an automatic. Like
1: I, I don't see how anybody can jump over him.
0: No right. So that's what I mean. If this were an actual sports book, the uh you know division finish one and a half. Uh, the under would have to be like, you know, minus 300 or something. Because I think everyone would pick the Knights to win this division. You no, know, obviously, things could change. Injuries could happen. There could be weird schedule quirks that we're not foreseeing. But I do think the Knights are kind of in a class by themselves in the Pacific. And as you kind of touched on, I think the Oilers are probably one kind of step lower. And they're kind of in their own tier where I think the Oilers are for sure going to make the playoffs this season because they have Connor McDavid, because they have Leon Draisaitl, And I actually do think, you know, they've done a good job with their uh, forward group this offseason. I just have very little confidence in their uh, defense and goaltending for them to be like a true, true, like kind of top of the NHL type of team. And then beyond that, as you said, it's, a you know, kind of a grab bag of teams with a lot of question marks. I do think Seattle is probably going to be a playoff team this year just because I really like their goaltending tandem. But it wouldn't shock me if they weren't. Just like, you know, I could see the the Flames or the Canucks, you know, having not great, not maybe good, but decent enough years kind of sneak into that third spot in the Pacific and make the playoffs. But those teams aren't on the same level as the Knights. And so that, to me, was uh, pretty easy to predict if I do think the Knights are going to win this division and they should be expected to win this division, uh, which brings me to the other over under I do want to talk about, which is we also took the over under each of us on the n- number of total points Knights will have at the end of this season. They have the third highest uh, over under in the NHL behind only Colorado and Tampa Bay. Uh, their total is one in a one oh six. 106. And a half points. Dave, what are you kind of thinking
1: when you uh, see that number? Okay, so everything I just said about, you know, like, who the heck's going to challenge them and, like, you know, they're clearly the best team. So kind of throw that out because this one I go under on. And the reason is I'm very skeptical of this team sort of matching the numbers and the analytics that it put up last year. I think a lot of those things, those numbers were skewed based on the competition. And I think it's going to be a very different look this year uh, when they actually have to travel and play some of these teams that they haven't played in a couple of years. So, you know, if I were going to put a number on it, yeah, you know, 102, 103, 104, you know, something like that. But I'm going under on this and and. I'm still there were there were things in training camp questions that I had going in that I don't feel like really got answered entirely. And so I'm I'm still I'm still a little sketchy, I'm still a little shaky on just how good in the regular season this team will be.
0: Yeah, so for context, the Knights had 109 points uh their inaugural season, so a little bit above uh, their over under last year obviously it's not perfect apples to apples the last two years uh, because of course there was the slightly shortened season in uh, 2019 20 because uh, the COVID pause in March and then uh, last year there's only 56 games but they obviously would have flown way above that last year when they finished tied for the best record in the NHL Uh, I did take the over Um, now this is just uh, partially I just think the Knights are that good. I just think they're deep enough that they can beat just a lot of teams in the NHL, even when they're not necessarily at their best. I think that's something we saw a lot of last season where the Knights would have uh, stretches for, you know, periods at a time where they would not look like at the top of their game. And then uh, they would go into the locker room, kind of talk it out. And all of a sudden, no, they would come back and score two goals the next period and everything would be okay. I think they're going to beat up on the division enough for them to hit that over. I also think as someone who uh, does not bet on hockey and does not bet on sports uh, a lot, because uh, as anyone who follows this podcast, no, I think I'm really bad at it and I lose money at it. But I do think uh, one of my philosophies is, you know, when it comes to these over under totals, if you can pick out the best team in the division, you take the over if you can pick out what you think is you know locked in the worst team in the division. You take the under. So I think the knights you know are clearly the best team in the Pacific. So I think it's safe enough to take uh, the over on them, though. Obviously, uh, 106 and half, as I said, is not not a low number when the knights' inaugural season, which I think most people view as one of the kind of uh, most. You know, magical, special kind of uh, breeziest seasons as well, because, you know, there were obviously uh, goaltender injuries and everything that uh, made it rocky at times. But standing wise, it never really got rocky. And that was still uh, not that far above the number that the Knights have set out for themselves this season. Uh, We'll get our first clues as to how the Knights are going to look in relation to that very high projected point total. Uh, Once again, Tuesday, when they take on the Seattle Kraken, I'm so excited for regular season hockey. I know Dave is too. And so we're very excited that the next time we talk to you guys on this podcast, we'll be talking about meaningful hockey games. Uh, until then, just a quick reminder that the Golden Edge podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, once again, check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com and pick up our season preview special section uh, on Tuesday. Uh, we are also presented by Blue Wire. And if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe. Whatever you do to podcasts, please do this one. We would uh, very, very much appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for sticking with us through the off season, everyone. We're very, very pumped to get rolling with the regular season again. I'm Ben Goats. He's David Chain. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon.